This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. And now your host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Rapport Diamond podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz, and with me today as our special guest in the studio is Trevor Poulter, who is the product group manager for identification and classification of polished diamonds at De Beers Ignite. And so it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's an important job because, um, as we know, the identification and um, differentiation of uh, lab-grown versus natural diamonds become such a hot topic over the last few years. And um, Trevor, as we will learn, plays such a, a central role at De Beers in um, driving their development of equipment, etc. And um, so welcome to the podcast, Trevor. It's so great to have you here. I hope that my description, my mumbled description was a fair um, representation of what you do. It's the best that I've had in a long time, actually. <laughs> okay, good. I say that it's been a hot topic, but really the issue of, of lab-grown diamonds and the non-disclosure is a topic that we haven't actually heard from in a while. Um, you know, lab-grown was such a, a central challenge to the market and then came along COVID-19 and now the, you know, the Russia crisis. And so lab-grown, and I'm trying my best not to say synthetics, um, to, to, to be politically correct, let's say, but the lab-grown issue feels like it's on, in a bit of the shadows at the moment. And maybe that's not a a healthy place to or attitude towards the the topic is um, is that how you, is that what you're finding lately? You're right. It probably doesn't get the headlines that it used to get. And you know, if you think back to when we first put out the automated melee screening system, I mean, before that there are verification instruments. But I'm sure many people listening to this that have been involved in the diamond trade, they'll remember the the times that uh, you had before that where you couldn't confidently check whether you had a a synthetic or say lab grown diamond um, or not. And, you know, that's when the consumers were starting to ask those questions. And, you know, there was a an increase in those lab grown diamonds in natural parcels. But with the release of the AMS one and then our subsequent machines, AMS two and other machines into the market, we sort of I guess got a handle on that and we start to see the the numbers come down and there are still lab-grown diamonds coming into natural parcels, but it's not the same um, since we've put those instruments into the marketplace. Yeah, you're right. It's it's probably, it's not hot, but it's because it's being managed. And I think, but the important thing is to not to take your foot off the gas. We need to keep that management going and keep that, um, keep those processes going so that we don't, uh, you know, we don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, as soon as you, you forget about these things or you don't concentrate on things, they have a habit of of coming back to bite you again. Right. One can't rest on, on one's laurels. Um, I was actually talking to a group of diamonders today about the, the lab-grown market and how it's developed over the last decade. And it's, uh, I think it was around 2012 that the first real big story about non-disclosure um, sort of hit our headlines um, when IGI, um, the lab um, IGI, 
um, found, I think it was in Antwerp um, at their lab there, a, um, a, a parcel of, of um, natural diamonds that was found to have um, non-disclosed synthetics in them. And that really start, started the discussion and that whole drive towards um, effective de- detection. And then suddenly you had this um, almost competitive market of equipment makers coming out and, um, and uh, one didn't really have the confidence on who to trust with their equipment. But I would imagine that the technology has changed in that, in that time. And so I wonder if you can maybe give, a, give an outline on how um, the challenge of detection has changed in the in the in the decade that's passed. You're right, Avi. The, the technology has changed a lot. I mean, we've gone from manual um, systems. You know, our first systems, the Diamond Shores, the Diamond Pluses, were, um, and even Diamond View, very manually loaded systems. And because we weren't having to to screen the quantities of of uh, diamonds that were going through the business because people weren't looking at um, that as an issue at the time. Where the technology has come on is is that we are having to automate that process and make sure that we can we can still give the same confident and reliable and accurate answer, but faster than you know the previous generation than than we needed than we needed to. So. That's where the improvements come, and that's where the the, the changes in the technology come throughout uh, throughout the last sort of ten years or so. And again, yes, there is a competitive marketplace. There's there are a number of instruments out there, which is a good thing. You know, it's good that we've got coverage. It's not just the beers that are looking at um, instruments to protect the diamond pipeline and and make sure that we do have full disclosure. The fact that we've got other instruments out there is good. Obviously, we need to have make sure that everyone is on a level playing field. And it means that in order to do that, it's important that people can check the performance of those instruments as well. So again, in the last you know, three to four or five years or so, we've, we've been part of um, the Assure program along with other uh, manufacturers. And that program then acts as a, uh, a baseline and a, as a testing service to give you third-party uh, independent results on, those, on that equipment as well. So yes, with a lot of equipment out there, there's a lot of choice, but at least there are systems out there to make sure that um, the buyers of the equipment can make an informed and uh, and confident decision. Mm-hmm. Right, and that, that Assure program is run by the Natural Diamond Council, which would be sort of a third-party service provider to maintain a quality control of the equipment. And I'm sure it does not give um, recommendation on on equipment, but it has a list of assured instruments. Yeah, it's exactly that, Avi. It's um it's giving you it's giving you the data to make an informed decision. It's not telling you which is whether the one's better than another, but you can just use the data on there to compare against your needs. Mm. And so the primary purpose is to verify that it's a natural diamond or a lab grown diamond. Uh, you know, on on either side. I actually remember a a story that we wouldn't normally run on diamonds.net if it was the other way around. But it, the, the headline was that a parcel of lab-grown diamonds finds a natural diamond, um, an undisclosed natural diamond <laughs> in it, you know, which was a kind of a, twi- a kind of a, um, a dog eats man type of, or dog bites man type of headline. Well, let me ask you, ask you this, um, you know, as that, as the equipment has evolved, what has driven that, um, that technological advancement? Is it just a matter of a tech play that we had the ability to improve our systems? Was the fraud that was taking place 
um, driving the industry to um, up its game in, in in a sense and 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 really be more more strict on on its systems. Yeah, so I guess it's a bit of both. The reason that we're driving the technology is, especially from a De Beers Ignite point of view, the reason we're pushing the technology and we and we're pushing it to its extremes is we've got a lot of clever people back in our research department, physicists and uh, people that are using applied optics and um, laser physics that are pushing the game. And we're, we're always looking for what the next challenge is. So we can't, again, back to resting on your laurels, you can't rest on your laurels. You've got to keep looking at what the next challenge is going to be. That's why the technology needs to keep moving forward. And that's where the new developments come. So in doing so, you're then allowing the fact that you can you can disclose confidently, whether it be diamond in lab-grown diamond or lab-grown diamond in diamond, but the consumer wants to know confidently what's in that parcel. So that's that's the important part is that mm. at the end of the day, it's the consumer that really wants to know what it is that's in, in the parcel they're buying or the diamond that they're buying or the watch that they're buying or the jewellery that they're buying. Especially as consumers become more aware of lab grown and it becomes more mainstream um, to the uh, at the retail level, um, and we are seeing more retailers selling lab grown today, and that would be in a legitimate way. But how would one use the the equipment to verify one the source in the sense of it's natural or man made of the diamond? Is that done at all levels of the distribution chain, being man- from manufacturing through to retail, that they all all have that responsibility to verify the stone and therefore would be using the equipment that you provide? Or is it just up to the retail reeler, really? It's important that we have a process in that diamond pipeline that can cover for all of these eventualities. And it is down to that management of, of your process. And it's about how we how we are confident throughout the diamond pipeline that we aren't mixing by accident or otherwise stones into those parcels. So, so yes, it, it may be that you know a manufacturer would have to have it at the end of their production line or before it goes to their office in Mumbai or from the moment the office in Mumbai, maybe it goes to Antwerp. Or we need to make sure that whoever it is, you know, if you, if you speak to someone within that, that you're confident in your own processes that you know that the the diamonds that you're that you're getting in and the diamonds that you're passing out are you know what's in there be it lab grown or natural mm. so it does need to happen through the diamond pipeline but it's about that putting that process in place from manufacturer or retailer or wholesaler you know make sure that they they're happy with their um their process and they can understand that what they're putting out to their customer their next customer in the line mm. and i mean you you hinted to the fact that um that we're we're seeing less non-disclosure in the production line today. I mean, as I mentioned, ten years ago, it was the number one threat for the industry. There was this real f- fear of non-disclosure being mixed with parcel of natural diamonds, and particularly in the melee goods. And so, how widespread is it today? You know, how often are we seeing cases of non-disclosure in parcels in in single stones as well. I don't have those figures for you, Avi. I mean, as I say, it's it's more a case of the fact from our lab point of view, certainly in IOD, and as I mentioned earlier, it was about those numbers, or not the numbers coming down, but the fact that we, by putting that equipment out there, it meant that it was easier for people to confidently disclose or uh, what mm. was in those parcels. But in terms of figures, 
I'd have to defer to someone else and perhaps I can get back to you with some of those those answers. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I think just anecdotally, it seems that the, the numbers have come down and that's, um, that if we would, and hopefully we won't hear of a major case of, of non-disclosure, it would really make a headline again. Um, but we, it seems the industry has become more confident about that. And the conversation about synthetics has evolved beyond the detection. And in fact, I think when we talk about all four Ds, as they say, you know, yes. um, being detention, documentation, differentiation, disclosure, the industry seems to have advanced in a, in a very healthy and positive way. Yeah. And it's about having, it's a bit like um, a, a virus, if we can, use, I mean, it's topical at the moment, but the more you put out, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that we've got a critical mass or we're getting a critical mass of detection equipment out there, that, you know, det- mm. and um, verification equipment out there means that you've got some way of protecting against that you know, the the stones that are in, you know, the, the undisclosed stones. So the more equipment you get out there, the less easy it is for undisclosed stones to get out. Mm. And again, going back to the fact that the screening instruments, the process, that's become the norm now. That's what you do. You you make sure you've got this to to protect the process and protect the pipeline from any stray uh, stones that might get into it. So therefore, you're then able to protect yourself against that. and. But we're talking about, yes, so the, the critical mass of mm. instruments out there, which then protects against that, that, you know, those those non-disclosures. Right. I wonder if you can maybe talk technology a little bit, which often goes over my head, admittedly. But <laughs> maybe if you can if you can talk us through, you know, at the beginning, there was a there was a sense that one could more easily detect a CVD diamond versus HPHT or the other way around. Is there a difference in one's approach to developing the these instruments depending on on how the lab grown diamond has been grown, or is there sort of a one size fits all that they can detect any such um, synthetic? Yeah, no, there's definitely not a one size fits all, um, and it's a very very tricky process. Is why we've got world leaders in diamond physics to be able to come up with the processes that we need to do to detect those kind of stones there are different ways of growing cvds or different ways of grow of, of different treatments there's different hphts all of which will give different structures to a diamond so it's those differences in the structure that you know we're trying to look for when we're designing equipment and designing um, processes to identify whether a stone is natural or lab grown or treated and it's yeah it's definitely not a one size fits all which is why the technology and why the the research continues because the development of different types of processes for producing diamonds continues as well so we have to mm. be ahead of that curve right and uh, uh, no, I, so i would imagine that is your that is your challenge is to to stay ahead of the a the fraudsters firstly and work with the legitimate uh, lab grown producers to make sure that you understand the um, the process the processes and the new processes that are um, that are involved yeah absolutely absolutely it's critical that we understand both sides of the coin you know there's def- there's definitely as you say the legitimate producers out there and we just need to understand what's being produced in the marketplace so that we can identify those with the the instruments we've got you know with the instruments we've got that we're looking to make sure that we from our instrument point of view that we never give a false positive so you know we're never mm. we're always making sure that we are identifying natural stones and we're never going to give 
a synthetic or a treated stone and natural classification. So that's where we just, that's our, our main aim when we're developing the instruments. And then from there, we start to look at what type of, of stone they might be. Mm-hmm. So if the machine does identify it as a potential lab grown or a lab grown, then what is the process? It would go for human checking. Yes, it would It would go through. So that that's the, the process that we call referrals or referral process. So if a, if a stone is then um, moved on to a refer, then it would potentially go on to another, yeah, generally another human process. It might go for a, to a lab for further screening. They may put it on a different instrument altogether. And then that will give you the result to see whether it's actually a, is a true natural diamond or is it a, um, a grown or treated stone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and what about uh, set jewellery? Um, because for a while, the equipment that was being produced seemed to um, focus on loose stones um, be it melee or, or single stone goods, but diamonds in jewellery seem to remain a challenge. And I could actually never fully understand why that would be the case. So maybe you can talk me through that and also, and, and then um, maybe give us an update if that has been overcome or not, if it's still a challenge for the equipment providers. Yeah, in the first instance, when you're developing equipment, it's all, it, you know, it is easiest to be able to tell or to... Um, to screen a stone when it's loose because you've got you know you can put enough light into it or enough uv or whatever you're going to put into it to excite the stone to give you a measurement it makes it a lot easier with loose stones when you put them into set jewelry suddenly you've got reflections coming off of the the bands or you can't see all the way into the stone or you're not getting the right information out of it it is a challenge that's not to say that we don't have equipment that can handle um, set jewelry. In fact, that's what we look. That's what the synth detect can handle, and certainly Diamond View as well can handle rings to a certain extent. But listening to customers, that's the that's what we're doing really, and understanding, as you said, that that's really the next level. I think is to make sure that we can have a, a solution that accurately, confidently, and, and reliably identifies your any synthetics, any lab-grown diamonds within set jewelry, and make it easier for the for the customers to do so so that's the feedback we're getting within the marketplace and you know it's it's certainly on the roadmap of instruments that we will be looking to upgrade in the future okay so um where is the biggest challenge for you at the moment what is your sort of focus of attention in terms of the challenges that the labor and market is presenting the the industry i think the main challenge is around i guess it's in the automation space so the challenge is making sure that you've got an instrument that will give, you know, ideally, again, the, the, the feedback we're getting from our um, from the customers, and that's what we're looking at and, and engaging with more regularly now is to understand what their needs are. And they're telling us that an automated result is their, is their number one requirement. You know, really, they don't want to have an influence of a human to be able to tell whether a stone is, is uh, natural or not. You want to have an auto, a reliable automated result to be able to tell you that. That's a challenge in itself. In other words, to um, sort of discard the referral process. Yeah, uh, well, you still, you'll still potentially need the referral process depending on how accurate or how complete the machine is in identifying a, a CVD or a, a treated stone. So that will still happen, but it really it's automated in terms of is it diamond or is it refer in the first instance that you want to send off? So there's no question around that. And then we can use the combination of instruments in the labs to be able to send off for referrals. Then that they can make a decision 
but from a customer that's got a machine in their own factory or uh, retail space or within their offices, then they're looking for something that they can they can automate that result. So that's one of the challenges we're looking at. Uh, the other challenges around, you know, the melee, you know, that's always a a challenge. There's such small stones, such a lot of small stones. It's not mm-hmm. practical to do in a manual way. So it needs to be an automated machine. And that's where, again, a lot of development is going into at the moment to look at those, um, in, look at the melee and make sure that we can go down to those smaller sizes to identify and properly differentiate the stones in those parcels. Mm. Is it the AMS machine, right? Yeah, AMS, AMS2 is the latest iteration of, the, uh, of our melee screening machines. Mm-hmm. And that goes from a third of a point up to 20 points. So that's the sort of the melee range that we're running in at the moment. I see. So there, there is a bulk of smaller stones that um, that wouldn't be um, included in that. So what is the challenge of, um, is it just by mere size that it becomes unreadable, that, um, that the detection becomes harder? Yeah, it's not so much. It's more a case of the fact that they are so, so small. Yes, you've got, you have got image processing challenges. You've got challenges in terms of getting enough light off of them. So there are challenges there. There's also physical challenges. You know, these things are less than half a millimeter. You know, they're they're, Mm. they're, um, very tiny, small stones. So there's there's challenges around that as well. Right. Okay. That's, um, you know, it's it's almost a forgotten, um, (laughs) it's almost like a forgotten um, aspect of the industry, but it's really um, comforting to hear and learn that um, that the development is still ongoing, and um, and the and I mean because certainly the need is still there. One of the issues that I personally have in covering the lab grown market is understanding the size of it and the growth um, of the market. I know that that generally you're screening natural to under, to to look for potential non disclosure of of synthetics, but are you able to de- decipher the growth of the lab-grown market through your, through your, um, the use of your machines? I wouldn't say through the l- use of the machines. I mean, the data is out there anyway in terms of how big the lab-grown market becomes. I mean, Baines do a report every year mm. on that. There's the Bain report. So I don't think you necessarily need to infer that from the uh, screening market. I think there's enough data now and the, the market's probably mature enough, especially with, as you say, customers are, are making that differentiation between natural and lab grown that you have to understand what the size of that market is. I can't, again, sorry, I can't give you the exact figures, but I know they're out there in terms of. No, I, I, I didn't expect you to. Um, I, was, I was just wondering because actually f- from my point of view, it is still kind of the wild west. You know, in in terms of it, it is a developing market. Um, we know that more companies on all levels of the pipeline, from retail, wholesale, and uh, manufacturing, are um, getting involved in the lab-grown market, and so that makes it a more dynamic environment. And and I think for sure would um, it's the same players as those who are selling um, natural diamonds. So it makes your job all the more important. And so I guess um, I should thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, firstly, it's, it's greatly appreciated. I think um, these um, 
detection machines and um, and equipment are playing a, a vital role in in the industry, um, whether it's with De Beers or, or any of of the other companies involved in the space. And don't forget, I mean, although there's a lot of noise coming out of the the lab grown market, it's still relative to the diamond, you know, the natural market, it's still a very small space. You know, it, but because there's a lot of news about it, people assume that it must be oh, there must be a lot of it around, but you know, compared to the natural market itself, natural market is still massive in terms of that. So that's why, right. again, these instruments are in, important because we need to make sure that we we do differentiate between those, even when there's small amounts coming through. Right, and there is um, given the 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 difference in value, and we would expect that difference in value to to increase over time. It increases the um, appeal of fraud, um, which again um, brings your your role and and others into into play. So, Trevor, it's been a, a thrill to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insights to this important segment of the market. No problem at all, Avi. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, we look forward to keeping track of this um, segment of the market and the work that you're doing. So, thanks again. And thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us on the podcast again. We look forward to having you again next time. So take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation science and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry.